Welcome! It's Animation Celery Time! Crunching conversations about classic cartoons! Only three others share this secret. Our friends the Sorceress, Matsy, and Micah. On Animation Celery, we assign cartoons to each other. Then we meet the following week uh, to review and discuss them. Today, we're both looking at shorts. Matsy will examine Tom and Jerry, Duel Personality, and Popey the Performer, Knife Thrower. I will be looking at Windsor McKay's How a Mosquito Operates and Steamboat Willie. Uh, first on the show, we two pals like to catch up a bit. So, Matsy, what's been happening? I got some quick hits. Oh, yeah. Quick ones. Quick All right. Ones. First thing. Uh, as you know, I've been playing a lot of the video game, The Binding of Isaac Repentance. <laughs> it's the year of binding. I think it might be the, uh, the decade of binding of Isaac for you. Um, well, it's been seven years. Yeah. I mean, actually, well, that game has been out in some form for 10 years now. Um, uh. the, the, the real one, Binding yeah. of Isaac Rebirth, it's called, because the original was just a flash game. And then mm. they actually made like a legitimate one on Steam and everything. Um, that came out, I believe, in 2014. Uh, so it's been going for almost seven years. Um, there's a current... Well, whatever. Um, the important thing is, I've watched enough Let's Play videos of other people playing The Binding of Isaac that my mm. algorithms on YouTube have started popping up fan animations that people have been making. Okay. Which is something that never even occurred to me. The idea Because there's a lot of characters in The Binding of Isaac. As of this new expansion, there's 34. Mm -hmm. Um... So I just want to shout out the people doing good work in putting together these cute little cartoons about Binding of Isaac and Binding of Isaac characters. You're doing okay. the Lord's work, folks. Way to go. Next, science. Hmm? Science. Oh. Uh, this is a series of animated shorts that were on Sci-Fi Network made by a production studio called Cartoona. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just a few episodes. They're only like three minutes long. They're about a foul-mouthed kind of <laughs> wild and rebellious scientist named Dr. Linda Moog and okay. her crew. Um, and like I said, there, there's only a few. They're short. They're fine. I mean, it's, you know, you can spend 20 minutes and watch all of it and whatever. You're happy. Here's the interesting thing. The mm -hmm. one piece of star power they have in this, Dr. Linda Moog is voiced by our good friend, Cree Summer. Ah, Okay. So if you ever wanted to hear Cree Summer swearing her fool head off, mm -hmm. I can direct you to the right place. <laughs> it's the uh, fully adult Penny. Yes. Yes. Mm. Also, <laughs> this is really stupid, but I didn't realize until this that Cree Summer is black. Oh. Like, I, it didn't occur to me that she was in a different world. Okay. And I was like, it's kind of weird to have a somebody like well my first thought was it might be weird to have a white actress voicing a black character because linda moog is black okay and then i went well wait a minute do i actually know that Cree summer is white and so i looked her up it's like oh she was she's very much not white mm -hmm. she was just voicing a white character in the 80s cartoon right right which is its own thing okay so anyway there's that okay. uh next well, corone okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've watched some of her. Okay. And yeah, she's just as good as you said. 
<laughs> it's, it's 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 fun. Um, yeah. I got this. <laughs> I got this weird, almost the defensive idea about mm. her because, like, because there's she's. I guess she's part of some conglomerate of YouTubers called Hollow Live. Yeah. Um, and. I started to imagine this scenario where people would tell me, oh, no, the real good VTuber is blah, yeah, someone else. And I just had this preemptive, no, no, Corona's mine. Corona's the only one I care about. Yeah. Um, mainly because I don't really care about VTubers and I don't want to put in the effort to look at other ones. <laughs> right. Some of the other ones are fine, but she's a cut above. Okay. And I good think to know. I think for Japanese viewers, she's weird because she has a weird accent. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, I guess I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I kind of attribute it to her just being a doggo. But mm. uh, uh, no, she's got sort of like a blend of uh, country kind of things. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's she's hilarious. I liked her. Did you see the video there? Because I know you mentioned videos where she's talking in English. Yes. Like, there's the Super Mario Brothers one you mentioned. There's a Mario Kart one. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see one where she was trying to um, find English names of Pokemon? Yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> it was real good. There was, like, she was trying to find what, um, I guess the... Because I had forgotten, actually, that the Pokemon have different names in Japanese. Right. Which is really weird, because you have these hundreds of names that you know. Yeah. And it's like, but wait, there's this whole other set of names. Yeah, some of the Japanese she, names are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, for example, like the two she was looking at were Casey and Youngler. Okay. Um, And she was like, what are these in English? And it, so she looked up Casey and her Google Translate tells her Abra. And she's like, Abra, yeah. Abra. And then looks up Youngler and her translation tells her. Cadabra. She's like, Abracadabra! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although so she's... Hmm? It, it's cute that uh, the Japanese ones allude to um, psychiatrists or psychologists. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. So so that one's cute, too, I think, on both ends. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Mention yep. real quickly something I just discovered today. Uh, apparently, Fox has yet another animated series uh-huh. uh, called House Broken, huh. uh, which is about a dog who runs group therapy sessions for the neighborhood pets. Uh, the dog's name is Honey and is voiced by Lisa Kudrow. And that's about all I know, because I watched like the first few minutes of it and said, mm-hmm. this is just more Fox animation that I don't have time for right now. Mm-hmm. Like it, there was nothing in it that stood out. It, it just kind of went, okay, I, mm, well, I don't. it's not a family. So that's something. I guess, yeah. I guess that's true. Like I'm based on this brief synopsis that I read, there might be something like she has this other, she's like kind of a sophisticated, not like a snotty snooty poodle. Mm-hmm. But I, mm. I don't even know if she's a poodle. She's some kind of a dog that sort of looks like a poodle. I don't know the breed. Okay. Um, but then she has like this big sort of sheep dog named Chief that she lives with. And I guess is like an arranged marriage. Huh. Whereas her owners have gotten this dog and expect the two of them to get together. So I don't know. There's probably more. And if you watch the series, there's, you know, you could probably figure out what's going on. But for me, I was like, okay, there's yet another Fox animated series. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It sure looks like all the other ones. 
Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> you see yet yeah. another, like I'm watching so much stuff. It's, it's <laughs> I don't think that'll hit the list. <laughs> no. Um, and the last thing I want to mention, I discovered that there's a new Rugrats. Oh yeah. Uh, on Paramount plus, I guess. And it's computer animated. Hmm. Um, and doesn't look great. I've never really liked the way that Rugrats looks anyway. Well, I'm just imagining, say, computer animated, like the treatment Linus gets when he gets computer uh, animated. Not, not too unlike that. But here's yeah. the thing. This, I, I didn't watch the first episode, but I kind of flipped around like through the timeline of it to see, basically just seeing what it looked like, right? Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across this one thing that made me immediately go, I'm done. Okay. So there's... There's this one scene where Angelica is watch is walking into the living room where the babies are supposed to be. Now they the babies are gone on some adventure and she's covering for them. Oh, so okay. They're we babies know again. Th- so we know that th- Oh yeah, no, this is like a reboot of the okay. original Rugrats. Hmm. This isn't like all grown up or something. Hmm. So the shot is you're looking from inside their playpen and we know the babies aren't there. Angelica's coming in from the kitchen and in the foreground, a baby bottle rolls past, not unlike a tumbleweed might. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. The, the computer animated, the render of the baby bottle, they put a series of dimples in the top of the, like the dome of the nipple, right? Okay. And they didn't animate those spinning. Oh, okay. So the baby bottle is not animated rolling as it rolls past, it just slides past. And this isn't some little background (laughs) detail. Like this is the dominant feature of the shot. Uh And so I said, okay, if they are either a combination of too lazy to animate and too stupid to notice it, then I don't care about this show. Yeah. You were there. I'm pretty sure. Remember when I brought, um, uh, what was it? Troll land. Troll land. Did you see that? We got together and we had a bad movie night. Possibly? Maybe you weren't there. I don't know. Oh, tro- tell, tro- tell me. A- Trollland is astoundingly bad. But <laughs> 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 You brought it to mind. The various times there's vehicles in there and the wheels don't turn on the vehicles. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, man. I mean, if it's something minor that nobody's ever heard of like that, that's one thing. But this is like right. a reboot of Rugrats, and it's the first episode. Yeah. Like, th- th- that was the first impression that I got. And I'm like, okay, I already don't like Rugrats, and they're going to be this lazy about it. Forget them. Yeah, I don't think I'm just old. Like, there there are people for whom, like, Rugrats is a piece of nostalgia. Apparently... And- and I see it and I just think, yuck, I don't yeah. like this thing. Yeah. It's so, it's, 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 it's classy Shupo, right? Yeah. The beginning like, of the Simpsons, the gorgeous like it's era. It's so ugly. <laughs> yeah. Everything classy. Like what's that? Ah, real monsters. Uh, <laughs> Duck man. Yeah. Like, have they ever done anything that doesn't look terrible? That's their signature. I guess. <sighs> anyway. So there you go. Mm. Thank you to Binding of Isaac fan animators. Science is all right if you want to hear Cree Summer swear. Oh, Corona yeah. is a good VTuber. Housebroken might be good. I don't have the energy to care. And Rugrats probably sucks. Okay. Micah, what do you got? 
Uh, I'm looking back to the past. Like we were discussing uh, Animaniac segments. So I figured you've made your list. I'm going to rank the sketches. <laughs> um, okay. So at the top, as you might imagine, Pinky and the Brain. Sure. Number two, The Warners. Yeah, surprisingly. That's the thing. Like, I don't think the Warners are that great, but I guess, like, the pool you have to draw from is so small. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're already, we're still on the plus side here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number three, Skippy and Slappy. I forgot all about Skippy and Slappy, but yes. Yeah, I, I like them. I like, I like Absolutely. them Absolutely. Yeah, good designs. Absolutely. Yeah. There was that one where they were at Woodstock and they just did the Who's On First thing with the band The Who. Right. That was my first exposure to that sketch. It was so, you know, you can imagine the first time hearing that sketch. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay, so number four, we're we're in neutral territory here. Okay, Uh uh-huh. I've lumped all their little parts together. So good idea, bad idea, mime time. The kid that comes out and tells you about Randy Beeman and the wheel of morality. I forgot about that one. I forgot about the Randy Beeman kid. (laughs) Yeah. I I looked up other lists to make sure that I wasn't missing sketches. (laughs) But uh, so, yeah, these ones, you know, they're short. Um, They're not great. A lot of them, but uh, uh, a lot of the good idea, bad idea and mime time and wheel of morality ones are well animated. Well, the wheel of morality is the same thing every time, but yeah. They're just one joke, and that's all they have to be. Is just come out, tell one joke that's decent, and there, you've got a fine segment. Yep, it's fine. Fine, yeah. Yep. All right, so here's my controversy. Number five, I'm putting Minerva Mink here. Ooh. Now, bear in mind, I think it's bad. Okay. <laughs> I was saying. Now. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking... I keep waiting. I'm, I, as you're going through this list, I'm thinking this is around the point where I would be thinking about good feathers. Oh, no. The, and I'll get to them. Yeah. I just don't know that I can put Minerva Mink above good feathers. Well, here's the thing is I don't hate her. <laughs> I don't like her. Mm. Uh, she has sex appeal. So that's like something. <laughs> and mercifully, there's not many sketches with her. Mm. So even though the joke wears out right away, um, it, what are there three sketches with her at best? I can think of two. Yeah. And then there's like, a she's in a music video and then she's in the, uh, Wacko's wish movie. Um, oh, it, well, she, she's not important in there. She's a background character. You seen that yeah. Wacko's wish? Um, I probably have, but I can't think of it. It's really striking how small she is. When you get to see her next to everyone else. Well, I guess that makes... She's... Um, you remember I said that there's the one part in the new one where there's the hunter that's hunting them all? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in that. Yeah. Um, and she's... I think she's, like, pretty normally sized, if I remember correctly. Because it's well, like, it's another background thing. Like, she's just in the crowd of freed tunes. It, it varies. Like, they had one thing that was, like, a parody of Hey Macarena, I think. Huh. Where she was huh. dancing... It was her and Hello Nurse dancing side by side, and she's not that small. But mm. then it's like, uh, uh, you know, the good animators for Wacko's Wish, and she's tiny. <laughs> Any, anyway. Well, um, she's a mink. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so next. Number six, Chicken Boo. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, explain yourself, sir. <laughs> okay. Chicken. Okay, keep in mind. I'm. St- I mean, the, these are no good. Okay. <laughs> I'm under. I, I. I understand that we're in bad. 
Okay. But chicken, chicken boo. Uh, I'm at least, if, if this is my first time watching a chicken boo, I'm at least interested in what context it is. Okay. And his theme, his theme song is catchy. I will <laughs> sometimes insufferably, uh, <laughs> insufferably use it for somebody whose name rhymes like woo or chew. <laughs> oh, um, no. yeah and i think chick i think chicken boo might make one good cartoon but unfortunately oh, yeah. there's a million of them well there's not that many there's what there are one well what there are number seven is a million darn good feathers cartoons so mm-hmm. like there's so many good feathers but at least they're different like, that's are the they? thing, like, all the Minerva Mink cartoons and all the Chicken Boo cartoons are the same. Good uh, Feathers are at least doing different things. Uh, well, marginally different. Hmm. See, uh, as an adult, I came to really like Scorsese, but I've mm-hmm. not actually watched all of Goodfellas. And I think in part it's because of the Good Feathers. <laughs> I do think it's strange that... So much of Good Feathers, like I obviously I hadn't seen Goodfellas when Goodfeathers showed up because mm-hmm. I was, you know, like thirteen or something, and Goodfellas is an exceptionally violent movie. Right. But after you've seen Goodfellas, then you're like, oh, I I understand why he's called Pesto, because he's Joe Pesci, and Bobby is Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand where Squit's name comes from. Um but yeah, it's like a parody of these super violent mobster movies that no kid would have seen. Hmm. And I guess you miss out on a lot of the humor if you don't know the reference. Well, I understood. I already understood. I already understood that the, who the characters were and that, you know, it was that each episode plays off of uh, Pesci's volatility. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't it's, like it's, it's all parodies of that one scene in uh, Goodfellas. See, this is why Minerva Mink bumps up and Good Feathers bumps down is the number of times that I've been watching Animaniacs, a show I didn't really like that much anyway, mm. <laughs> and then get that, oh, no feeling when the Good Feathers theme comes up. Um, Their theme song also sucks. Yes. Like they they added it later in later seasons. Like yeah. they're like, oh, everybody else has a theme song. We should probably give the Good Feathers one. And it's. Mm, yeah. No. So I mean, I have them, listen, yeah. I'm with you that it's not great. No. I'm just like, oof, some of the things you've put above them, I don't know, man. <laughs> but I think we might be past the controversy now. I think I might be able to go with you with, that, with whatever you say from here. Okay, so number eight, Rita and Runt. So, yeah. I they're... forgot about them. Interesting that you put them that low. Really? Because I think they're not good. <laughs> they're not great. Yeah. Huh. Well, they're, they're just kind of boring. And they're toothless too. Like, uh, mm. okay, so Runt is uh, Rain Man. Yes, but there's no good Rain Man jokes. Not it's really. Just, it's just you know the things that the Rain Man character in the movie says sometimes. It's right. Like, let's just have Runt say it all the time. Right. And and they did one episode that was a parody of Mice and Men. Oh, really? Yes. And I can believe it. For me, if Rita doesn't mercy kill Runt at the end of it, you just don't <laughs> make that episode. 
<laughs> um, anyway, it's not great, but they're better than number nine, Buttons and Mindy. Yeah. Yeah. I have some thought. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till the end of this list because I've devised a thought here, and okay. I'm, I'm gonna share it with you well, once I hear the. Yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll at least outline that I, I hate Mindy. I hate her parents. Uh, yeah, and I don't like Buttons that much to be on his side. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, it's it's, it's no like good. that one. It's one trope of cartoons from the theatrical mm. days. They decided let's make a segment that's only that. You, as I consider this, I almost think that they wrote the theme song first. Hmm. <laughs> so they were just, you know, looking for what rhymes with, oh, and Rita sings a verse. Who's Rita? And then they figure that out. Um, <laughs> okay. Number 10, no surprises. Katie Kaboom. That actually is a surprise. Cause you thought it'd be at the bottom. I thought that would be much lower. Um, well, how much more is there? Cause that's the second last one for me. Well, I'll wait till the end and see if you miss something. I might have. Okay. So Katie Kaboom, we hate it. Yeah. Katie Kaboom's terrible. It's just a, a teenage girl throwing a tantrum in an exaggerated fashion for an eternity. And the animation is terrible in every single one of them. God, if um, they, if they put Katie Kaboom in the new Animaniacs, she would be complaining about having the wrong iPhone. Well, Ugh. yeah. Okay. Here's my bottom. Here's, here's yeah. number 11. Yeah. Roberto and Rita, the hip hippos. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was sort of wondering where are they that Katie Kaboom gets to be above them? Okay. Well, here's the thing. Uh. Okay. Um, I am able to hate watch Katie Kaboom. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. able to stew while watching that thing, you know, feed my demon. <laughs> Roberto and Rita. Oh my goodness. I think it's Flavio and Marita. Is it Flavio? It's Flavio and Marita. It's Flavio and Marita. The hip Marita? Hippos. Oh man, I don't even remember the thing right. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm purely going off my memories here. And, and Well, there's okay. already a Rita somewhere else. Right, right. Okay, okay. Um, so there might be a reason why there's gaps for me for these, for these hippos. Uh -huh. It's that I tune out. Because <laughs> you're just like, like, oh, it's them, click. Literally, I changed yeah. the channel. I sat through everything else. The hippos, I go away. In fact, I might even turn the TV off. <laughs> I'll go to extremes. <laughs> They're so I still got boring. that save game of Secret of Mana I could be doing right now. Right, right. Yeah. Like, like, they have nothing. Mm -hmm. And they're not even like, they should have been scathing, right? They should have <laughs> had a really mean look at these. Or they themselves should have been mean. Then you'd have something. My They're concern with that idea is that given the time, the mm. fat jokes would have been multi, like it would have been, if you wanted to be more mean spirited, that's where the mean spirit would have gone to is their fat. Oh, I just, I, I, I meant that they're elitist. Yeah. I, I know what you others. mean. Yeah. I know what you mean, but I'm thinking like, if like given the time that this would made, I think any venom that went into right. the making of that would be directed at their fat. Well, especially these creators. Does it yeah. shock you how much uh, fat shaming there is in Tiny Toons? <laughs> Remember? I hadn't really thought about it, but I can, well, I can, I can see it. There's a whole sketch that they introduce as a sketch about people with big butts. 
And it's oh, Plucky right. Duck as a waiter. Yeah. It was in the it was when they were doing the Saturday Night Live parody, like weekday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Weekday afternoon live. Yeah. Okay. And then and then if they ever had a parody of Roseanne Barr, oh, she'd be geez, like, Ah, yeah. such small portions. Yeah. And singing the national anthem. Hmm. Well, that's that's her merit, so to speak, but um yeah, okay, so that's that's my Animaniacs list. Um I think <laughs> I can't agree with the entire thing, um, but no. I mean, it's nitpicking, like just the placement of what's, you know, what's bad, <laughs> what's bad is what's, what's badder than bad, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like for me, Katie Kaboom is intolerable and the hip hippos are just kind of nothing. Yeah. Um, but the thought that occurred to me as you're going through this is the sheer number of segments that are always the same, like the one joke segments. Well, like Buttons and Mindy. Great. Buttons and Mindy, Katie Kaboom, um, uh, the, 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 uh, I mean, we just listed them all. I can't Rita and Runt. Rita and Runt to some extent. It's, it's largely movie parodies there, but Chicken mm. Boo, um, a lot of things, Minerva Mink, things where they have this one idea for a joke, like, oh, here's mm. an idea for this character. And, then it's they make multiple cartoons, but it's always just variants on that one joke. Mm-hmm. Um, the successful ones, the things like the Warners, where they could be doing anything, um, generally tormenting someone, but it, it goes in different directions. Um, Pinky and the Brain. There's an episode um, where the brain realizes that all of his ideas involve mind control or Mm. like he realizes there are like three tropes that he always uses. And so he's like trying to come up with a new plan that isn't one of those. Mm. Um, But at the same time, you don't really notice because it's so many different things are happening. Mm. Like pinky and the brain are always doing something different. You know, one time they might be raiding Fort Knox or, you know, I slam like I, I I've voiced my displeasure for inventor characters. Okay. But I can't deny, as I think of them and put them in number one, that inventors start, uh, when it's the main character, they start ahead, right? Because Pinky and the Brain can work on any premise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? They can go to any parody or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was thinking to another similar show. Do you remember Tasmania? Yep. The Platypus Brothers feature in that show a lot. <laughs> Again, they're inventors, right? Yeah. Whereas other characters like the Kiwi or Buddy Boar, <laughs> all those other ones, they're thin. They don't, you know. Yeah. They're not They're not vastly different characters, but just the invention itself uh, opens mm. avenues for storytelling. I think it's also the brain character. Like, yeah. I remember, um, I think it was Eric Idle of mm. Monty Python talking about the first time he saw John Cleese on stage. Mm. And he said something like, everyone was being so serious and there was John, or no, everyone was being so funny. And there was John right. being serious. And that was so funny. The one serious person in comedy mm-hmm. is funny. And that's the brain. Like the brain is not trying to be funny. He's trying mm-hmm. to be straight and it never works. And that makes it great. Yeah. Other than that, uh, I, I, get, I gave Amphibia a try. Oh yeah. Yeah. I watched a couple episodes of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I would like it more than I did. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. I, you know, by previews and, and your description of it, you know, I thought that it would be, uh, for one, really colorful and fun to look at. Mm, well, and it's, it's in a swamp. <laughs> well, sure. But uh, one of the things I think they kind of miss out on is, have you noticed there's sort of a, um, like, a frog love thing going on now? That In... In this specifically or in general in society? In gen- in ge- well, on the internet that, that people are sharing these frog pictures and the like and frog pets and so on. Oh, not like fro- frogs in love, but like a love of frogs. A love of frogs. Yes. I kind of feel that the designs in Amphibia uh, are a little unambitious. Like they're cartoon okay. first and then frog. All right. Like they could have... They could have incorporated elements that I would have, you know, been more interested to look at, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also one of those kind of joke factory shows that, you know, tire mm. me out a little bit. The The first okay. episode, not so good. And then the second, you know, like, I, I kind of even out a little mm. bit on. Right. Um, I prefer getting to see more of Anne and Twig because... Break. They, they, their role isn't to step in and tell a joke all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of cleanse the palate and watch more 12 forever. Okay. Yeah, and I, you know, I like that show. It's, um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's really laugh out loud that much. No, it's not. The, the creatures of the endless are sort of joke factories. But like I was saying with Anne and Twig... Um, sprig hmm? sprig oh, br- oh yeah yeah like okay yeah um that uh they the 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 human children in 12 forever are kind of straight people yes so also i kind of like uh you know the video game series mr driller yes they sort of have a mr driller sort of look <laughs> to them when they're yeah uh, yeah you know okay I mean? yeah 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 yeah. I also like, uh, uh, I like Reggie's mom too. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. She's got such a funny design. I like her really high pants. <laughs> <laughs> and then it occurred to me that Reggie wears her, her pants way up to her chest too. <laughs> yeah. 12 forever, I think is unapologetically good. Um, mm. and it's like I said about amphibia from the beginning, I was like, I was just engaged enough to keep going with it. It didn't, it didn't wow me. Yeah. It was like, it was like just enough that I'll give it a chance. And eventually it broke through. I don't know. Maybe the second season is where it gets good. I don't mm. know. I don't know. Well, I think we ought to move on to our, our, the meat of our show now. The meat. Right. Uh, I gave you some cartoons to review. Yeah. I gave you cartoons to review. I'll talk about mine first. Yeah. Uh, Duel Personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a Tom and Jerry cartoon, if I'm not mistaken, 1966. Uh, yeah. this is the era where Chuck Jones had been fired from Warner Brothers and was now working on, uh, Tom and Jerry cartoons. Mm-hmm. And you can see it, um, especially in Tom's face. Like you can see the Grinch in there. Yeah. Um, I'll go through the the short. It's 
it's a pretty simple concept here, which is that um, Tom is lives in some palatial manner. Uh, presumably, he has a rich owner. Mm. Um, and is chasing Jerry, Tom being the cat, J- Jerry being the mouse, for anyone who doesn't know. Mm. Um, <laughs> Jerry stops him quite easily by simply holding his hand out. And Jerry, it's, it's funny that as soon as Jerry is like, stop with his hand out like tom goes to excessive lengths he's chasing him with a um like a throwing hammer yeah like a big ball on a chain and as soon as that <laughs> hand comes out he's like screeching to a halt and like holding out his hands to catch the thing so it doesn't squish like almost like it's a game that jerry has decided is over yeah um and jerry does their traditional slap to the face with a glove to uh, challenge tom to a duel they exchange cards which might be a part of duel etiquette that i'm not aware of Mm. um because you never see what the cards say which seems like you know that it seems like there should be a joke there like you know tom would give him a card that says you know pistols at dawn and then the joke would be jerry gives him a card that says you're on or something like that it's kind of funny they need him because they're like the only they're the only beings each other know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah that's true um, and then the rest of the cartoon is just them dueling in various ways with mm. a number of different weapons that all backfire. Um, and the interesting thing is that it backfires equally on both of them. Yeah. This isn't a thing where the, there is an aggressor. Well, I guess Tom is the aggressor. Mm. Um, but normally in a Tom and Jerry cartoon, Tom is just beaten to death. Sometimes literally. Um, and yeah. Jerry comes out clean in the end. Um, but in this one, everything they do backfires equally on both of them. Uh, to the point that uh, Tom just gets angry at the whole idea and uh, chases Jerry back to the palatial estate and they start over again with the throwing hammer. And when Jerry attempts to uh, uh, challenge him to a duel again, Tom simply tears up the card and starts chasing him around with the slapping glove. So again, not only a rare Tom and Jerry where they're equally put upon, but a rare Tom and Jerry where Tom wins. Wins kind of. Wins kind the beat, of. The beat goes on, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so my thoughts on this. Um, yeah. You can see the Chuck Jones influence in the drawings. Like mm-hmm. you can see the Grinch and stuff in it. Uh Animation isn't as smooth and nice as the uh, Pussyfoot and uh, 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 Mark Anthony cartoons mm. that we watched. Right. Um, you can see that it's kind of a second-rate Chuck Jones, I guess. Still pretty good, second-rate Chuck Jones. It's, it's all right, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't really like Tom and Jerry much for a a lot of the reason that most people who don't like Tom and Jerry don't like it, which is the Mm. violence. Oh. Something that I always think of with Tom and Jerry. Uh, There was a year, it was like 2002 or three, um, I went to a furry convention in Philadelphia and got stuck there for one extra day. And I remember being in the hotel room and turning on the TV and uh, there was Tom and Jerry. And I remember being astounded by the violence. Oh, yeah. It's like the itchy and scratchy parody on The Simpsons is not that far off. It's just the blood. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like the the specific one that I saw, and I think I've referenced this to you multiple times, is that 
Tom had a double-barreled shotgun pointed at Jerry, and Jerry, like, blew down the barrels and knocked the two shotgun shells into Tom's eyes. Yeah. And then Jerry came up with a hammer and <laughs> smashed Tom in the back of the head so hard that the shells detonated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, holy smoke, <laughs> every part of that is insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is not that. Like, they're they're using cannons and guns and swords and things, but they don't actually succeed. Like, the, yeah. the pistols shoot just a little ball that doesn't, you know, yeah, penetrate oof. and injure them. It just, <laughs> yeah. like, it actually ends up bouncing around and, like, kind of taps on Jerry's head and, like, drives him into the ground like a nail. Yeah, yeah. Um, same thing with the sword. Like, this is one of the images, like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, I remember this. Right. Is, yeah. like, Tom with his rapier, like, bending mm. it and causing it to spring out. And Jerry bends his and it doesn't spring out. It's still curved. So he throws it like a boomerang and it flies past Tom and then comes back and bites him on the butt. <laughs> and then the hilt of, um, is it the hilt? No, it would be the... Um, oh, you're correct. The guard... I, Guard, yeah, the guard yeah. of Tom's rapier, it, it comes down and again drives Jerry into the ground like a nail. Like, even the cannons, like, the they're pointed right at each other and there's a pretty <laughs> yes. funny gag where the two cannonballs smash each other in the air and the two cannons go bursting backwards. Right. But even, like, there's one with uh, slingshots and yeah. Tom gets hit in the face with a rock from the slingshot, slingshot and there's no violent, sm- like, you don't see the rock hit Tom in the face. There's just this um, Batman-style Batman. yeah. blap that comes up, yeah. and then the same thing when Tom flies back and hits Jerry. It's just blap. Like everything is done non-violently, sort of. If that makes sense. It's light, light slap. Yes, yeah. and I appreciate that from a Tom and Jerry because okay. my image of Tom and Jerry is, like I said, pretty brutal. You know, this is we. <laughs> Before we recorded, we were talking about how stupid it is uh, any instance where Tom and Jerry talk, like in the movie, right? Yes. It's funny. They talk, they make noises at least a lot in this one, and I like them. You know, yeah. like, uh, it's, this is, it, I, I yeah. looked this up. Um, the, the voice, uh, vocal effects in the credits are listed by June Foray, mm. but secretly, uh, Mel Blank and Chuck Jones himself also do voices in this. Right. I think Mel Blanc does the aha for Tom. Probably. I mean, there's some, there were some voices in there that were so masculine. I was like, oh, wow. June Foray can <laughs> yes. really sound masculine when, masculine <laughs> when she wants to. Um, it has <laughs> something that I remember, which is the stock Jerry laugh. Yes. The wow, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like little bits of it that, like like I said, there's lots of these. Or another one, just a little thing that popped, that popped me in my memory was uh, Jerry springing up onto a stump and then pulling back a bow like him mm. doing that little pose like I remember that little pose right you know uh, I might be a Chuck Jones fanboy seeing as how this is the <laughs> third one I've <laughs> given to you but uh, it's my favorite version of Tom and Jerry this okay. one okay you know, Tom sure. with the yellow Tom with the yellow eyes you know mm. in that opening that Row! fit fit thing yeah um, yeah yeah by far, this is the best Jerry for me. Okay. He's okay. the most charismatic one. He's like his rascally laugh, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is the best design. Some of those sure. old, yeah, some of those old Jerry's, I can't stand them. <laughs> like, 
he is so dorky looking in some of his old designs. Yeah. It triggers the bully in me, you know? <laughs> I want to take his lunch money, you know? Just about as bad as a... Uh, sub- as as a uh, bastion from Neverending Story, it just <laughs> triggers something in me. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I was looking too at this, um, uh, the background. Like, mm. this is one of those instances where the background details in Chuck Jones style, like the furniture and everything, mm-hmm. they're all at weird angles, and they sort of become a cartoon character in their own right. You know? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Anyway, I'm I'm glad this uh, this one didn't traumatize you. <laughs> yeah. Um I <laughs> obviously I was looking up Tom and Jerry, you yeah. know, the various phases of Tom and Jerry's existence. Mm. Uh just before we started recording, um while I was waiting for the allotted time or assigned time, mm. uh I decided to watch one that I didn't really remember or okay. at least I didn't think I did until I watched it. Uh which is called the Tom and Jerry Cartoon Kit. Hmm. Um, oh, this, okay. This is one of the weird Czechoslovakian ones. Right. Um, and I'm just thinking about Jerry's design in that, where he's like got this weird kind of, his chin is really high, if that makes sense. Like, it, I don't know. I guess I, I guess my point is I can understand if we, if we want to talk about the phases of Tom and Jerry, we should do that some other time. Like, you know, there's right. so many different Tom and Jerry's that we can get multiple episodes out of it. So we'll talk okay. about the Czechoslovakian ones later, but it's, it's sort of if, the founding premise of the show. The kind of a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> me and Micah talked about that uh, many years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So this is, it was a surprisingly good Tom and Jerry cartoon. Uh, not excessive in its violence. It looks nice. Mm. Um, it brings back some fond memories of the sound effects and the, the various poses that rung a bell. <laughs> the uh, 60s music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, nice and amusing. The the intro that you alluded to with the MGM lion replaced by Tom meowing and going... <laughs> like, mm. um, yeah. Yeah. That was, a, that was a neat little... It was. I needed a reminder that Tom and Jerry wasn't itchy and scratchy. Hmm. So thank you for that. Mm. Speaking of itchy and scratchy. <laughs> You're Mr. Segway. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're going way back. Way back. I have How a Mosquito Operates by Windsor McKay mm. in 1912. 1912. That's over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, Windsor McKay. He's the creator of Little Nemo and Slumberland, and he was a preeminent cartoonist in his day. He was inspired by the flip books shown to him by his son, so he put his drawing talents toward making animation. Though he declared himself the first man in the world to make animated cartoons, he was beaten to the punch by a couple of others. This one, How a Mosquito Operates, was adapted from a comic page he made titled... Dream of the Rarebit Fiend, wherein a mosquito preys on a drunkard. So, this cartoon. It begins with a mosquito with a top hat and a suitcase in hand, and he observes a chubby bald man passing by. 
the man warily enters his home, and the mosquito follows and spies through the keyhole. The wily insect enters the transom window above the door. The man lies down in bed and quickly falls asleep. Easy prey for the mosquito. The malefactor removes his hat and produces a sharpening wheel from his suitcase to prepare his proboscis. Some sampling of blood from his nose wakes the man to wave away the bloodsucker. Another drink prompts him to smack himself, but miss the bug. Further probes make him toss and turn, slap at but miss the mosquito, and cover himself in his bedsheet, to no avail. The mosquito keeps supping and becoming more and more swollen. Giddy with his victory, the mosquito revels and dances, but he goes in for one drink too many and bursts from overconsumption. So... Um, yeah, the drawing is pretty good, especially Mm -hmm. for a pioneer of animation. Yeah. Winsor McKay was a really good artist. He was, you know, I've never, I've never really looked at his stuff too much, but whenever I see it, I like it. Yeah. Um, I like that era. In fact, you know, of the, of like, uh, artists that pretty much grew up with a, uh, quill pen in their hand. Mm. Um, in this, I don't much like the mosquitoes design. No. Did you check out the Rarebit uh, comic? I'm sure I have seen it at some point. There's actually a, like, Dreams of the Rarebit Fiend is actually a series of comics. Um, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's always some, it's a dream that, like, Rarebit is, Welsh Rarebit is a, um, mm. a dish of some kind of melted cheese on toast, I believe, if huh. I remember correctly. There might be a meat involved there. I, I can't remember, but, um, it's the idea is that every comic is some weird and terrifying things happening to this person. And then they wake up and blame that where Welsh rare bit they had before they went to sleep. Well, that makes it make more sense. <laughs> I, I figured the title is a double entendre yeah. that he was rare bit anyway. Um, no, it's, it's food. Oh, okay. Oh, well, the, the one, uh, the mosquito design in it was really good. Okay. But maybe it was just impractical for somebody that was like, pioneering a new form of art yeah to redraw over and over and and remember like this isn't cell animation like no. every every frame of this is an entire piece of paper like yes the everything in the shot is redrawn in every frame yes over six thousand pieces of translucent rice paper in mm. this thing um and you know there's some the animation is reversed and then played forward again. Yes. In order to show movements of the man and the mosquito, sometimes to make them look wary or just to repeat things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that really stands out. Like you, you forgive it because you know that this is before any principles of animation had been codified. Well, the idea that you would animate in a way that resets for a cycle. Instead, he goes forward and back and forward. Yeah. Like he like leans up and down. Like it takes him forever to get into bed there but yeah it's, it, yeah it is jarring but at the same time what a technique to improvise oh sure yeah and this is of course is before uh sound was recorded for the film so mm. the one that i watched had piano music to set the mood okay but back in the day this would have been part of a vaudeville act yeah it's interesting uh this is actually the the first thing that mckay did was uh for animation, 
was he, he animated a sequence for Lil Nemo. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one has more of a narrative, whereas Lil Nemo has mostly just comic capering in it. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is that yeah. the one... You may have looked this up. I know I've seen it before, but I can't remember. Mm. Is that the one where, like, it was part of a longer feature of someone betting him that he could make images move? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so this was, so it's not necessarily, like, the Little Nemo is not necessarily a standalone feature. It is uh, the plot point of this live action thing about placing a bet that animation mm-hmm. can be done. Right, right. It's still yeah. pretty long, actually. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, Windsor McKay never did anything halfway. No. Like, look at all the stuff that he did, like the, the, the effort that he put into it. Oof. Yeah, I think after this one, in 1914, he made the uh, incredibly famous Gertie the Dinosaur animation. Yeah. So uh, famous it's been in Muppet Babies. <laughs> yeah, so uh, for people who haven't seen that, um, he animated a brontosaurus. That's uh, the conception of what they thought an apatosaurus was. Um, and like I said, it was vaudeville, so he would interact with it. Like he would toss things toward the projection and then it would be animated going into Gertie's mouth. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, pretty incredible, really. Really clever. It's like, it, it's like the very, to to imagine that this was like basically Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Bef- before there was a Bugs Bunny. Like, like they started with the idea of mixing humans and cartoons before cartoons were really a thing. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't know this existed. Um pretty neat i would say it, it's it's a neat piece of history for sure hmm. i don't i don't say that i i won't say that it's particularly good but you know it doesn't have to be it's like this is like one of the first cartoons ever yeah yeah pretty simple premise mm-hmm. interesting thanks very much for uh, giving that to me yeah no problem there's some other fun ones in there too there's i can't remember what it's called but there's one where it's like this drunk watching a circus put on by bugs Uh, and between each act there's like this the animated silhouette of like um mystery science theater 3000 style of like the guy in the front row standing up and applauding sounds Um, interesting yeah 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 well i mean if you look up windsor mckay uh you'll find uh various i think he also did a an animation that was like the sinking of the lusitania like a, a an animation of a ship sinking, um, which I think was a important part of World War One, like the Americans' entry into World War One, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, I'm not a history buff, mm. um, but like that was interesting because it's because mo- it's at night and it's mostly black. So, huh. and think about what that would have taken to draw on rice paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, go from one uh, cartoonist who features largely circus-themed artwork. (laughs) Why don't you take us to the circus? Oh, man. Oh, Matty. So this Popey the Performer thing. Yeah. um, This is a 
a computer animated feature. Well, it's a computer animated series of, mm. of short cartoons uh, that were produced for Kids Station, which is an anime station in Sea- uh, Seattle, <laughs> <laughs> Japan. Which is Seattle, not, Japan. Seattle, Japan. Um, this was like 2000 to 2001. Yeah. And I was astounded because it looks like it's like 19. I was too hard on Heidi when I said it was a step above <laughs> 1994 computer animation because wow, oh, yeah. this is man. Um, this is about Popey, the performer who is a clown. Uh, I guess he's mm. a man in a striped suit with a tail and a pink rabbit hat. I said when I was looking this up originally that he looked like Waldo from where's Waldo cosplaying as the Noid. <laughs> Pretty apt. People get a good image from that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the, I later I saw the tail. It was like, Oh, okay. okay maybe he did. Well, he, the tail ruins the whole thing, but, <laughs> um, and basically he works at a, uh, circus. And from what I understand, each cartoon is him trying to, uh, do some kind of act with his, mm-hmm. another, uh, member of the circus, uh, Keita Mono, who is a wolf who, uh, whose face is simply masks with stuff drawn on them. Hmm. Not unlike, uh, hexadecimal from reboot. Right. This particular one is called knife thrower. And essentially Popey sees Keita Mono throwing knives at a <laughs> Popey shaped, uh, <laughs> silhouette on a board um, but because Kitamono is a proper knife thrower, he misses the actual figure every time. Yeah. But I guess one of the main features of Popey is that he is jealous of everyone else's abilities and wants to try it himself. Yes. And so he somehow gets Kitamono locked up and in a uh, to get knives thrown at pose. Yeah. And has his own silhouette with an apple on top. And he is attempting to throw knives at the apple, but can only seem to hit the silhouette's face. (laughs) Uh, He gets the brilliant idea to draw a face on the apple and scribble out the face on Kitamono's mask. And rather than do any more practice, he simply attempts this. And rather brutally throws the knife into Kitamono's masked face. There's no blood or gore or anything, but it's yeah. almost creepier that way because the knife just goes into the mask and Ketamono just slumps. Hmm. And Popey is chagrined until an not angel... Not because he cares. Not because, not because yeah, he, cares. he failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, turns into an angel and flies off presumably into heaven until a stick of fried chicken waved by Popey lures him back. And then the process is uh, repeated with the angel version of Kitamono, who also gets stabbed in the face. And this goes on and on multiple times with multiple angels of Kitamono being locked up and stabbed in the face. Until finally, Popey attempts a knife throw that bounces bad and hits him in the face and kills him off. Um... Did I miss anything? <laughs> oh, he, he rises in, as an angel too at that point. 
Yeah, yeah. Right, but but oh. he, he's, yeah, he, he stomps on his halo and just tries to Oh, that's to right, repeat. yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He's Presumably, just angry. He's yeah. just angry that he didn't get the trick right. Yeah. Presumably creating a cycle of him killing himself then, and oh, killing killing all his angel selves repeatedly. Yeah, that's right. He does. He, he kind of throws the knife angrily, and it bounces back and kills his angel self and so on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, wow. Um, this is produced by a husband-wife team of Ryuji Masuda and his wife, Wakako. This is... Uh... No budget, low experience, no familiarity with the channel you're producing for. Yeah, all you need is pluck. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Like he didn't realize it was a kids' channel. Um, there's a lot <laughs> of violence in these things. Um, one of them called Swallowers apparently banned. Oh um, yeah, I didn't watch it, but I read the synopsis, and apparently it involves him attempting to swallow a large sword, getting impaled, and then having Kitamono trying to remove the sword from him with grisly yes. results. Yes. Uh, wow. Um, I'm, I'm kind of not sure what to say. It's. Well, I thought it was funny. Your, your lead in talking about Tom and Jerry and how. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're always turned off by the violence. Yeah. Wow. Um, (laughs) You you gave me a real theme here, didn't you? You lulled me into a false sense of security with a nice Tom and Jerry. And then this thing, which with one of the. I mean, it's 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 hard to say creepier cartoon deaths I've seen because that implies I've seen lots of cartoon deaths. Right. But like that was, you know, sometimes something understated like that. Like, here's an example. Yeah. The Binding of Isaac Repentance. <laughs> there yeah. is an item in that game called Magic Skin, and there's lots of items in that game. And the idea is that generally you can only find them once. Like once you get an item, it won't turn up again in the game mm-hmm. with few exceptions. But one of the things about magic skin is that once you have it, even if you give it away, there's an increased chance for other items you find later to turn into magic skin. Okay. And there's something low-key creepy about seeing this thing that you abandoned pop up again. Hey. And yeah, yeah. Th- that low-key creepiness, like I said, of like just the knife sticking into the guy's face. And I know I say low key creepiness and then say that, but like, (laughs) well, it could have been, it could have spurted blood or something. Yeah. It could have been much gorier. It's just like, you know, the lowest budget computer animation just whack, but then he just slumps the slump. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's creepy and scary. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And add to that, the weird, existential questions about killing your afterlives in a never ending series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm. Mm, you, man, do you know, uh, Axe cop? I'm yeah. You actually told me about it. Right. So that was like a, uh, uh, Axe cop is a comic where an adult artist draws the, uh, fanciful imagination of his little kid brother. Yeah. With it's nonsense, right? It's course, kid logic. Of course, yeah. And Popey has a lot of that going on too, right? Where like the idea is, you know, that the angel's escaping, but he lures him back with a drumstick, yeah, and, and kills the angel. Right? Yeah, man. Wow. I mean, there's the one. <laughs> there was one thing that I kind of liked in here, which is a wild take of like Popey's eyes popping out of his head. 
Yeah. But it's done like just these these two 3D rendered eyeballs just kind of mm. float out of yeah. these and there's not even any like holes where the eyes used to be. It's just like indents in the the the, the rendered skin. Yeah. Just kind of floats out like whoop. Um I thought, okay, that's a that's a new take on the wild take, and I can dig it. <laughs> but yeah, like nonsense and creepiness and violence and yes and, every and, and mm, like and and so so much worse than computer animation from 2000 this isn't that far from shrek and the quality right. of it is am- amazingly bad it's well, like reboot yes i don't i don't find it gross to look at but the uh, there are some funny things like the way Ketamono runs is pretty mm. funny. <laughs> his, uh, his gait is kind of weird. Okay. He, he's he's got like a I wolf's gait, that, right? I don't know mm. that he ran much in this. Hmm. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of addicted to this show. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. And they have, you know, for as much as the humor is like child reasoning, yeah. They also have some sophisticated stuff too. Like uh one of the episodes is uh uh, uh well they're, they're practicing mimery, right? Mm-hmm. So like Popey's at first trying to do the pulling himself on a, along on a rope thing. Yeah. And he's not very good, you know, that's kind of his thing. But right. Ketamono is so good at mimery that like he starts actually walking up a, a invisible staircase. <laughs> right or at one point he's half submerged in the ground and doing the breaststroke through the ground <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good yeah <laughs> but one of the beautiful things is in season two there's continuity in that he uses it again <laughs> that's pretty good yeah this- i think there is something like there's something to be said for like the computer animation looks so cheap and primitive that I yes. have to, I mean, you know, they had basically no budget, but I also have to think that it's a stylistic choice. Like, it's just, it's so anachronistic that it has to be like, okay, they must have known what they were doing when they did this. Do, do you know how much Masuda made per episode? I'm sure it's on the wiki somewhere. Yeah, it amounts to like 900 US dollars. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the wiki. That's, I was trying to find information about this. Yeah. Uh, there is a Popey the Performer wiki. Yeah. And... <laughs> some wild things that I noticed uh, on the side, there's policy and guidelines. And one of the ones that's in bold is don't make unnecessary pages or pages for your original characters. <laughs> and the idea of people making like their own self insert fan characters in the Popey universe <laughs> is amazing to me. <laughs> Um, There's I'm just barely any at, characters to be. Well, I'm looking at it now. Like rule number three: do not change Popey or Epop's gender. Ignoring this rule will result in a warning, then a temporary ban, followed by a longer ban if necessary. Is this a problem? I don't know. Huh. <laughs> An- another thing I liked is that on this screen it has links to important articles. It's got Popey, Kedemomo, Poppy. It's got categories, characters, episodes, home video releases. But all of these buttons are just linked to the image file of the button itself. <laughs> <laughs> I eventually found other pages by going to the drop down menus at the top. But I, I kind of like the idea that 
One, it's crazy that it has a wiki. And two, I like that the wiki is a mess. Yeah, it kind of fits, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It feels like this whole, like, like the whole thing is some kind of, what's the term they use for like a, a viral marketing thing? A meme? Um, no, like, you know, when, when uh. there's some kind of weird thing going on in the world and then it turns out, if you engage with it enough, it turns out that it's an ad for a movie or something. Oh, I know. Yeah, okay. Uh, I can't think of like AR game or. Okay. But it, it almost feels like that. Like that there should be expecting to see pizza hut appear or something. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or something completely unrelated. Like it's amazing that this exists as itself. Mm. Like it's so crazy that it should be something made up to some other end. Right. Right. It it should be the itchy and scratchy of some other show. Yeah. Yeah. It should be (laughs) like, yeah, it, it should be the cartoon that is in a PS2 game. Uh, I, I guess for that, it's kind of fun that it exists. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a wild thing. Hmm. And I guess it's popular. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I just learned about it recently and I decided oh. to share. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Let's share something else. What's more popular. What's a, can you think of a popular cartoon character? You know, Mickey Mouse. Oh, I should have popular. thought of that. I yeah, should have yeah. thought of Mickey Mouse. And, 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 you know, Steamboat Willie, everybody knows Steamboat Willie. Mm. It's a, uh, cartoon directed by Oob Iwerks in 1928. Oob mm. Iwerks, perhaps the best name of a human being, let alone specifically an animator. <laughs> yeah. So this is the first Disney cartoon with sound, the first cartoon period with fully post-produced synchronized sound so that stands as a monument in animation Mm. overall it's the third mickey mouse cartoon to be produced i'm not sure i knew that i think i assumed it was the first there were two other ones but they were not popular enough to be distributed oh yeah so we all know how this starts if you've watched a disney uh animation you see that lead in of Mickey whistling happily while he's helming the steamboat. Yeah. The first like 30 seconds of this are like everywhere. Oh yes. Yes. So it turns out that he's overstepped his station and the real captain Pete, in this case, he's a cat dismisses him. An abrasive parrot also mocks Mickey when he's kicked down the stairs. So at a dock for podunk landing, The boat picks up barnyard animals. Mickey has trouble fitting the crane harness on a skinny cow, but he solves the problem by fattening the cow by pitchforking a wad of hay down its gullet. (laughs) Minnie Mouse is late to catch the boat, and she chases after it. Mickey deftly uses the crane and hook to pull her aboard. She, however, drops her sheet music and ukulele, (laughs) <laughs> and an opportunistic goat eats both. Oh, these these are all such, like, if you set out to explain things that were happening in an old-timey cartoon, things like ukulele and goat would almost definitely come up. <laughs> yes, and maybe if you're an aficionado, you would know what that goat looked like. <laughs> um, so they make the best of the situation and pry open the goat's mouth, 
fashion its tail into a crank, and play him like a music box or gramophone. <laughs> Mickey makes accompaniment by using a basin, skillets, a washboard, all his musical instruments. Further, he swings a cat and chokes a goose to play them like instruments. <laughs> then he pulls the tails of suckling piglets to make them whistle. And next, plays a cow's teeth like a xylophone. <laughs> the first, perhaps, but a, a gag that I always associate with hippopotamus. Yeah. So, Captain Pete shows up, and he doesn't care none for their capers. So he throws Mickey in a cabin to peel potatoes. The same parrot from before mocks him through the porthole, and Mickey relieves his stress by beating the bird with a potato. There you go. That's the plot of it. <laughs> I never much liked this cartoon as a kid, mm -hmm. nor Mickey Mouse in general. Mm -hmm. And since I didn't pay much attention to it back then, I watched this almost fresh. Sure. So, like, after the thing, I, I recognize it after the fact. Um, you know, a thing in this, people talk about how Mickey used to be this rascal, right? <laughs> like, he's not a very fun character in his modern What does modern Mickey Mouse even do? Like, I can't think of a memorable Mickey Mouse cartoon. You know why? It's because there's not that many of them. Yeah. Donald Duck proved way more popular, so there's a lot of Donald Duck cartoons. Right. Like, like he's like the flagship character right. of Disney, but he's nothing. He's like a flavorless nice guy. Yeah. But in this one, he's, he's a big jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, you know what he is? He's a lot like Woody Woodpecker in this cartoon. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But he's, he's a jerk, but he's also like... Uh, put upon by the man. <laughs> or, or kind of, he, yeah. He's, he's an unreliable, well, I was going say he's an unreliable employee, but actually he's he's pretty good at getting the animals on. But um, I kind of like this growly version of Pete. <laughs> there's there's a part that I didn't outline in the in the plot because it doesn't really matter that much. But when Pete takes over the, uh, the wheel, yeah. he takes a big bite out of some chewing tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> and then he spits it out and then he he like spits it he shoots a curveball oh the first spit i like that his teeth separate <laughs> <laughs> yeah the top and bottom teeth make a gap for him to shoot through <laughs> um and he shoots like a curveball that hits the bell sure and the yeah. second yeah the, his second attempt comes back and splats in his face I wonder if that's the origin of i mean i guess the spittoon is a thing but i wonder if the origin of the specific bell noise for Bidding chewing tobacco oh. in cartoons came from this. Because every time any cartoon character does it, there's that ding. You know, have you ever seen somebody spit in a spittoon? No. This sounds like the grossest Mythbusters episode ever. Well, I where mean. They would try to make that ding sound. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, like, I, I don't know people who who um i don't even know if i know anybody who smokes honestly but mm. like i don't know anyone who uses chewing tobacco but um as part of my real life job i sell it yeah um and it's not uncommon for someone to also take a cup and right. i think like if you're i've heard anecdotally that you know if you're gonna have this tobacco which you don't really chew at least not modern stuff mm. um 
but there's a few different kinds and the major the the prevalent kind is a kind that is not good to swallow and so <laughs> you have to have some kind of a container around to spit your saliva mixed with gross nicotine yeah. tar i knew someone who just kind of dribbled it into the opening of a soda can <laughs> yeah it's man yeah i i i dislike the i hate cigarettes and and all this kind of stuff but yeah but you know it stuck with me when you uh describe the charm of um popeye that all the characters are so ugly yeah 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 <laughs> so like when i'm I, I think about this sometimes if i'm like drawing a comic or whatever like would i ever draw somebody smoking for you know how much i hate it in real life but you know mm. for because it's, because it's part of real life what i what i draw it yeah and then i think like these old cartoons exist in a different sort of sensibility, right? Where I can, yeah. I can accept like, these people are stupid. They chew tobacco. Of course they do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, the, the, the pitcher in the, how to play baseball. Yes. He was, he was attempting to chew tobacco. <laughs> yes. Um, Pete actually does still funny watching him chew off that. <laughs> there's Let's chew off that brick. Um, the cartoon that I mentioned earlier, the Tom and Jerry cartoon kit. Yeah. Um, it it opens with a box that has Tom and Jerry inside and some, there's like a stick of dynamite and a knife. Right. Um, and there's also a cup of coffee and a pack of cigarettes. Right. And it says the coffee and cigarettes are for the cartoonist and they just kind of yeah. disappear. And it's like, and it's like you said, like at that time, 19, this would have been the early 1960s. Like it was just accepted that everybody smoked. Not well, not even then. Like you ever watch Ghostbusters? Oh, sure. Like that's it's like it's so, really weird. It is, isn't it? See so much smoking in a movie. Well, from people that you don't like, because you grow up with like the real Ghostbusters cartoon and stuff, and you're like, oh right. wait, Ray is smoking. Yeah, and Winston is smoking, and day drinking too in that movie. Yeah, well, I mean, drinking yeah. you can kind of understand, but like smoking is this weird thing. Weird relic. Yeah. In this case, it's a relic that fits, though, I think. Um, yeah. And it's, you, you know, know, I guess if it's a familiar enough thing in society, like, oh, yeah, you spit out the juice from your chewing tobacco. Like, that's <laughs> right. just that's just a thing that happens every day. Mm hmm. Um, speaking of the everyday, these cartoons uh, this of this era, barnyard animals all the time. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, maybe... Back then, there weren't that many city boys, you know, mm. that, that if you assembled a bunch of animators, chances are this was their life. Yeah, 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 true. That's it kind a good of, point. You know, in subsequent uh, Mickey cartoons, the Barnyard Animals uh, theme sticks in there. So like, yeah, um, Horace the horse kind of evolved. Sure, from just Horace, being a horse, horse color. Yeah. Clarabelle cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. I didn't mention the the music in this. Uh, that that famous tune that he's whistling is Steamboat Bill. <laughs> and later on, the music that is being played out of the goat is Turkey in the Straw. Oh, sure. Yeah. I guess some people might know that as like, do your ears hang low? You know, that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> it's, I, as you were describing it, I was just thinking like, this early in animation, it was 
it was interesting that they were coming up with all of these weird gags. Like they weren't references to real life, like not parodies or things you'd re- you'd understand. But it's like, I don't know. He's going to play this cat like a xylophone or whatever. Like, well, I guess it's the cow's teeth, but you know what I mean? Like they, they just had free reign. Nothing was established. There was no satire. It's like, let's just do whatever we want with whatever props we have, whether they're animate or not. Interesting cartoon. It was interesting kind of seeing it again for the first time. Sure. Yeah. So I think we are nearing that time of the show where we need to figure out what we're doing next week. Yeah. You have an idea here is something you outlined. Was it the last episode? Maybe the episode before. And we've decided to do it. Hmm. We're going to watch. This is a weird thing. And this might be an ongoing series. <laughs> we're going to watch three random episodes of Chip and Dale rescue rangers and we're gonna figure out if the show is good or not right um in accordance with micah's just excessive hatred (laughs) (laughs) not hate hey not hatred i'm joking i'm joking just betrayal i thought this was a good show and then i realized i was just horny (laughs) 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 all right okay so all right okay i have the list of episodes do you have the dice Dice. Yeah. What are we rolling? We're rolling 60 of them, right? Yes. Okay. I got dice. Okay. These dice were given to me by my sister. Uh, She visited England and obtained them from there. Um, Now we're skipping the to the rescue uh, thing, which was kind of the, it's a five part thing which serves as a movie that introduces the rescue rangers but is also the first five episodes of season two awkwardly enough it would would be weird to just see see episode four of that or something yeah so we're gonna skip that Mm. and in order to do that i'm gonna roll this 60 sided die that i have and uh if it's over what was it if it's over 14 if it's 14 14 or higher yeah if it's 14 or higher i'm gonna add five and Micah's got a list, mm. and he's going to tell me what episode we're going to watch based on this. So I'm going to do three. All right. All right. Let's see what we got. I'm going to roll these dice. I got adding five. 31. Okay. 31. Does Pavlov ring a bell? <laughs> okay. Does Pavlov ring a bell. Okay. Make a note of that. And we're both going to watch all three of these, by the way. Oh, yes. Yeah. And number two. Uh, 27. Oh, well, this will make fans of the show happy. Yeah. The case of the cola cult. Oh, boy. Come along. You belong. Feel the <laughs> fizz. Best show ever. We got, it's already decided. We got the flavors. Orange, grape, and sherry. <laughs> That's a long-ass commercial, by the way. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. And number three. Let's see if I can get out of the middle of the... What do we got? Uh, two. Two? Oh, it'll be... Two. A, it'll be a good one. Oh, well, <laughs> well, it'll be an anim- well-animated one anyway. <laughs> um, so we have Catteries Not Included. Catteries Not Included. My memory of the second episode... 
is the Adventures in Squirrel sitting with the tween teen squirrel that everybody likes. For me, that was the first one that I saw. Huh. They have it as number seven here. Oh, wow. What I think it was okay. was a like a sneak preview to the series is what I saw. Oh, okay. You're probably right. Okay. So we got, does Pavlov ring a bell? The cola, the case of the cola cult and Cattery's not included. That's right. That's right. And how are, and how are we ranking these, Micah? You have a rating system all figured out. <laughs> okay. We'll give it a rank of one, uh, one to five. No, huh. no, like 3.7 or anything like that. Just one, yeah, two, yeah, three, yeah. four, five. And yeah. furthermore, an episode will either have a golly or it won't, depending on whether or not the reason it's likable is because gadget. Okay. So we'll average the scores and count up the gollies. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Great. I want to thank everybody for listening to our weird nonsense. Uh, let us know what you think of our weird nonsense, because we'd like to hear it. We'd also like it if you shared the show, if you enjoy it, with everyone that you know, so that it can grow and become more powerful than you can imagine. Uh, if you want to get to me, you can talk to me at ACMatsy on Twitter. And you can reach me at DrabSwatch on Twitter. Good luck on your mission, and remember, your contact will know you by the celery stalker slogan. Ah, no!